Hello. God damn it. Oh, sandwich cast. Wait a totally fuck it up. Runway. Alright, take two. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. This is great. Totally fucked up. Alright. Welcome and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hope Something Sticks. I'm Bert. I'm the guy that uh, fucks everything up, otherwise known as Matt. Otherwise known as Matt. So today we'll be going over season one, episode two of Game of Thrones, uh, called The King's Road. And King's Road only really has like two main storylines: kind of what's happening on the King's Road and what's happening with Danny. Really, in the next episode or two, things really start branching out uh, as the characters start branching out. But now there's still kind of just two main storylines that are happening. And uh, first, let's go over what's happening with Danny. So, kind of start off with her riding along with the uh, Dothraki, just across the. It's called the Dothraki Sea. I don't know if it's called that in the show. This whole big all these planes, and it uh, gets a little exposition from Jorah of mm-hmm. basically uh, some information about the Dothraki. A, pretty much just eat horse jerky all the time. That's their main source of food is horses. That's the most that they have. Mm, men can't live on grass. Nope. And horses can't live on ghost grass. And uh, he talks about the Dothraki apocalypse, which is interesting, kind of how like hardcore the Dothraki are and how lame their apocalypse is. It's like every, all of the grass will be this ghost grass that the horses can't eat, and that's how the world ends. I like it. It's a it's a very environmental perspective. An invasive species just yeah. takes over everything. It's just basically how it's probably going to go. Dothraki called it. I like it too because it ties into uh, how their horses may be stemming the tide of that grass, perhaps. Was it? Do they address no. that in the book? Why would they be stemming the tide? Wouldn't they be hurting anything? Because they're stamping all over it. All right. I guess that was just me that came up with that theory. Awesome. I think that is mentioned, the whole ghost grass thing, but I don't think there's any kind of. No effort to get rid of it. It's like, well, that's uh, that's future Dothraki's problem. Fuck those guys. Well, that makes sense. Yep, they do like saying yeah. "fuck those guys" a lot. Fuck those guys who will <laughs> the one the, the ones that will be each other. us. Yeah, no doubt. That'll show them. That'll show them all. So then uh, the Dothraki make base camp, and uh, they like have to pry Danny off the horse because she's been riding so long and so not used to horse riding that she's basically bow-legged. Yeah. Yeah, if you've never ridden before. I haven't. I can't imagine it's uh, too comfortable the first time out, especially if you're yeah, short. She's, I think she's ridden before, but she's, you know, like, for fun, for like, you know, maybe like a, probably like an hour or two at a time, not like the whole day. Yeah, speaking of which, I think we, uh, I'm not sure where we are in the timeline overseas, over the narrow sea, I should say, but I know that a month has passed. Because they mentioned Bran has been that in a coma true, for yeah, a month. So, uh, you assume that. Not yeah, to jump. I guess yeah. you, you assume that the timeline's about the same. They don't mess with the timeline too much in Game of Thrones, at least not this early on. Uh, so yeah, they've probably been, uh, Dane's probably been married for a month. Mm-hmm. And she's already learning the ropes. Uh, then, uh, then it, of what it's like to get it done, yeah. Dothraki style. So, it's, it's doggy. It's, it's doggy style. That's, yeah. that's Dothraki style. Horsey style. <laughs> Well, horsey style comes later. Well, after Daenerys gets done with him, yeah. So that's pretty much the uh, sort of the crux of the uh, story for Dana- 
for Danny in this episode is having sex with Drogo and getting better at it. So the first scene of them having sex uh, in this episode, she's still pretty not into it, but she is into those dragon eggs. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of cutscenes towards the dragon eggs. I didn't pick up that she was into well, them. Well, into that. Or, obses- or obsessing over them. Well, she's definitely happy that they're there. She see her sm... sm- I'd be, yeah, it'd be nice to focus on anything other than call Drogo railing into yeah. you. Unless you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, she gets into that sort of thing. Yeah, it's Jason Momoa, you know. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, so she, she's looking on her uh, eggs that are surrounded by candles. And that's kind of how what she focuses on uh, during said railing. And Danny's kind of getting tired of it. And I think she thinks that uh, Cal Drogo is getting tired of it too. I saw no indication of that. <laughs> well, for some reason, she makes mention to uh, her one of her handmaidens that uh, was once a slave prostitute uh, before Danny's brother bought her to be Danny's handmaiden. Wanted some tips. That's kind of the uh, happens next is she kind of shows them how to have sex, not like a slave, by uh, instead of doing it horsey style, they face to face. She gets on top and Danny's like, well, I don't think the Dothraki really are uh, into this kind of thing. And her handmaiden uh, kind of wild, wisely surmises uh, if Cal Drogo was into the Dothraki thing, why did he marry you? Which is a pretty good question. Why did Cal Drogo marry Danny? She was offered <laughs> for basically, basically for free. I mean, he he said he would <laughs> conquer the Seven Kingdoms like that. You know, like they Dothrakis have a different. He probably didn't even know what the. He didn't know what he was promising. He just promised war. He was going to do that anyway. Yeah, but it's a much. A, so he prom- promises his well, army? Did, well, kind of. So Dothraki have a sort of different take on transactions than most people do. Where it's, okay, you give me this, I give you that. And yeah, it's kind of more of a mm-hmm. promise-based system where you give me a gift. It's not even promises. like, you give me a gift, and then I may reciprocate that gift. And if I don't, I'm kind of a douche, but whatever. So that that's pretty ah, much... gotcha. So... Okay. Viserys kind of put all his eggs in uh, the hopefully something will happen basket. But I think that's also lost in translation between... Or, I don't know, really, that's really the word, but the different cultures, uh, how they recognize transactions is a lot different. Where Viserys has a normal... I give you this, you give me that transaction, you know, say to mine and Dothraki, you think of it differently. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah. As we will and find another thing uh, on Viserys, you get him talking with uh, Mormont about why Mormont is here instead of in Westeros and why he was exiled, where uh, Joy Mormont says that he uh, sold a couple of guys into slavery that were poaching on his land. And I, I don't know if. They talk about this in the show really at all, or if it's just really the book, why he sold those guys into slavery and why he needed the money. In the book, at least, Sorjura was uh, married, and technically is still married, to this uh, woman. Mm. Uh, so she was a high-born woman from the Reach. She was a high tower, who are one of the richest families in all Westeros that they're Almost not mentioned at all in the show, like ever. But uh, you, no, yeah, he I didn't even married. know he was married. So what happened was, so the High Towers control Old Town, which is where the uh, the Citadel for the Maesters are, which you see mm. at um, season like seven and eight, like you see yeah, a little bit barely, but. Um, yeah, you get some mm-hmm. CGI porn, and that's about it. So there's a tournament that's uh, being held there by the High Towers, and Sir Jorah asks for Lord High Towers' daughter's favor, which is you know like a handkerchief or wh- whatever she they give him. 
and he you know puts that on hit you know he puts that on himself like while he's jousting and he wins the joust you know he becomes the champion which is the first time he's ever done it uh he was kind of like a, a middling jouster yeah. uh you know bef- before that tournament and uh, everyone was all excited and he asked for uh, her hand in marriage and her father agreed and they got married and instantly kind of run into problems because he's like, you know, some nobody lord from the, in the north. Like, he, he's not particularly rich. Hmm. Uh, in fact, they live on Bear Island. So it's like, it's like a small island right off, off of the north. So it's not nearly as nice and not nearly as rich as what she's used to, you know, being, you know, part of the one of the richest families in the kingdoms and in the reach, which is one of the more beautiful parts of the kingdom. An old town is a pretty cool town. It's mm-hmm. the the largest city in Westeros. So, you know, places bumping. Not so much on Bear Island. So, so, so Jorah so pays yeah, no. like a whole bunch of money for, you know, nice gifts for his wives and paying singers to come and, you know, and, you know all kinds of entertainment. And so he's losing a shit ton of money and... And he's like, oh, well, I'll just joust and win some more. And that's how I'll make my money back. And he never really replicates how well he does uh, in that first in that tournament where he won his wife's hand. Mm. And then eventually he, uh, he stooped down to selling these two poachers into slavery to make more money for his lavish wife. So they get caught. Uh, Ned declares that they should... He should be beheaded. He runs off with his wife, but eventually she just leaves him for some uh, magister at some Esso city. And I think she lives like in Lice or one of the cities. One of the free cities. Oh, that's the free cities? Free cities where there's only... Gotcha. Only one of the free cities has freedom in it. The rest of them are very pro-slavery. That, shouldn't that, say free city, I suppose. That's, uh, well, that's what they call themselves the free cities because not not because there's freedom within those cities, because they're free from the uh, Valeria that used to control them all. That's that's where the free city hmm. name came from. So that's kind of the backstory. So that's kind of the backstory on Jorah Mormont's and how we kind of got to this point. The book explains it a lot better. Seems pretty convoluted. Kind of a stretch, a little bit. He's going to make all his money back by selling it's not two make guys. All his money back. Yeah, that, or is that that's just one step a of the way process. To make money for him. So these are the yeah. first people he sold into slavery. He got caught the first time. Wow, what a terrible criminal! But that also kind of brings me to that other point with the series. He kind of laughed, laughed it off, and said, um, "You know, under my leadership, you wouldn't be prosecuted for something, you know, like that." For selling guys into slavery, and that kind of uh, I think really shows how ill-equipped he would be to be king of Westeros, because <clears throat> one of the big things, the differences between Westeros and Essos, is Westeros is really hugely uh, anti-slave. Like everybody, like even the assholes, are not in slavery at all, and most of Essos is. Uh, their economies are like based around slavery, pretty much every every uh, everywhere except Bravos. I kind of think there, there's a pretty big culture gap between Viserys and Westeros, where you know he grew up where you know slavery was allowed, and you know think a lot of other things are different. And he thinks he's just gonna come in and everyone's gonna love him in uh, Westeros, which don't really even get to see how that would play out, but it probably wouldn't play out too well, even if he did make it to Westeros. Oh yeah, he's completely he's completely full of himself, and you can see it in that. Uh, he looks <laughs> like the Grinch in this scene, where he's he's looking at Jorah, he's like, hmm, uh, yeah, his, his smile goes smile like really big. He's got like and his, his, his smile. smile is oh yeah. my. Ear to ear. Physically, ear to ear. And he, I don't know how he gets. I don't know how he gets all those wrinkles in his lips. It's amazing, like some facial acrobatics that are going on here. Yeah. It's a tight scene. 
kind of explains a lot in just a little bit. Well, and then we jump across. Kind of finishing off Danny's story. So she learned some tips from uh, her handmaiden. Nice Thank pun. You. Unintentional puns. So, so Cal Drogo kind of comes uh, back into the tent with Danny. And he's like, all right, well, let's do this again. And like <laughs> rolls her over uh, hor- horsey style. And she's like, yeah, it's like, right. uh, no. Right. It's like, mm, yes. Like, no. Like, we're going to have sex, okay? This is, <laughs> is going to happen. Not in so many words. He doesn't talk that much. Uh, then she says in Dothraki, uh, I would look upon your face. And that really throws him back. It's like, oh, speak Dothraki. It's hot. And face to face, you say. Well, I've never done that in the... 5,000 times I've had sex. And, uh... Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he wrote a book. He seems pretty into it. And, uh, just like that, all their marriage troubles are gone. That is, I think, technically correct. Yep. Yeah, just like real life. You just have to face each other <laughs> when you're fucking. Yeah, and apparently. Everything smooth sailing after that. Everything is smooth sailing after that uh, between them, too. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it is a great love story. Got kind. Based on fucking. And, like, knowing three words of each other's language. But, um, and this is kind of where Danny takes a big turn from, like, just scare girl that just does what she's told to kind of, uh, gaining some agency. Because after this, and we can talk about this more the next few episodes, she kind of takes more of a leadership role within the, the Kalisar. Mm-hmm. Mm, truly. A little bit too much for most yeah, people's but, taste. Yeah, Cal Drogo's into it. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's... As we'll learn later on, he'll, uh... Mm. You know, he gets her pregnant, and he... He believes it's his mm-hmm. child speaking through her. <laughs> yeah. He missed an episode or two afterwards. Maybe even more. But uh, that's pretty much it for the Danny part of the story in this episode. At Winterfell. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I think I jumped ahead uh, about four episodes. So at Winterfell, Bran has been in a coma for a month. And, uh, people are, especially Cat, are kind of suspicious because he's never fallen before. And he's like a really good climber. And, you know, why now? Right. It's everybody else's kids who fall off of towers. Well... Her sus- suspicions are confirmed later on. Yeah, after her little uh, detective escapade. <laughs> this is a real caper. Gotta get, we gotta get Catelyn on the case. And of course, the grieving mother solves it all with a strand like of nobody hair. Nobody else has long blonde hair. <laughs> uh, this is true, yeah. I don't know if, that, I don't know if that's 100% true. Recurring thing. There's not a whole bunch of blonde people. So this is all happening under the backdrop of everyone's getting ready to head back to King's Landing, including Ned, his two daughters, uh, Arya and Sansa, and a whole bunch of other people are going with them. Meanwhile, Jon is preparing to go to the Wall to join the Night's Watch, so he's going to be joining them to the King's Road, but then he's going to go north as everyone else goes south. The biggest part of these few scenes is uh, surrounding John, where he has a sword made for Arya, uh, which is kind of in the style of um, the swords that are made in Bravos, used by what's called the Water Dancers, which uh, basically they use uh, fencing uh, as opposed to kind of the whole armor and broadswords that are used in Westeros. He uh, he has the sword made by uh, Micken, the uh, swordsmith. Jamie Lannister comes by to shit on him. <laughs> he should. He shits yeah, on everybody. But, uh, Doesn't matter who it is. He sure loves doing it. This is big fucking smirk on his face the, the whole time. It's like absolutely. And if you don't like where you're going, <laughs> it's only for life. I'm going to go back and have sex with my sister. Yeah, basically. Later, loser. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> right. Here's a guy who's figured it all out. <laughs> you guys are trying way too hard at this life thing. Yeah. 
Just be your sister's bodyguard, then banger. And then, of course, Meekin. Meekin? Mikin? Meekin? My, my, yeah, Mikin. The blacksmith. Mikin. Wasn't even close. Uh, <laughs> this is just another face that is just painted perfectly. After Jamie shits all over John, John turns back to Mikin. And Mikan's deadpan stare is just, it will haunt my dreams. The man is gaunt and bald and grubby as hell. He's been standing over a fire. He just finished the sword. The, yeah. And he just, he's, his dead eyes are just staring at John with no expression on his face at all. He's <laughs> like, here's your sword. That'd be eight bucks. It's a good price for a sword. <sighs> Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, I, I do this not, for free. I'm a slave not over here. Not technically. I'm really <laughs> a slave. <laughs> just. Yeah, okay. A slave in everything but name. He could leave. In everything other than he name. He probably could leave if he wanted to. The, uh, the Starks are hmm. pretty cool as far as lords go. Still lords. Still I mean, lords. they you definitely try to incentivize him to stay, mm-hmm. but. No, I, I mean, I'm sure. I, I don't think he gets paid by the sword. He probably gets a uh, monthly salary or something. And that's the amazing life that of Mike. That will be the last time we see him, probably, until he gets killed by Theon or something. And hopefully it's the last time we ever talk about him. Well, his... his, his Sure. And uh, his, that sword needle makes it all the way to the end of the uh, series. <laughs> Yeah, that sword is so, it's amazing. Uh, so John uh, goes to Arya's room where she's packing. She's pissed off because uh, Septa Mograine or something. Oh, yeah, her, her Septa, which is basically uh, <laughs> Septas are basically nuns uh, in the in the world of Westeros. Nun nanny. It's all in this older. case, yeah, she's uh, nun nanny and uh, charm school teacher. Uh, and yeah, she tells Arya to repack, and she just like threw it all in her uh, her luggage. And she's like, hey, "Who gives a shit? It's all gonna get messed up anyway." So <laughs> John's like, "Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's a sword." It's like, "Ooh, sword!" And then she <laughs> then, <she's, laughs> then she goes in to hug him while holding the sword. It's like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, like, right, oh, yeah, sword." <laughs> and um, this is. Up until, like, I guess the end of season seven, the last time they see each other. And it's really only kind of the, the only scene that they're in. And right. This yeah. whole scene has to set up, this whole scene has to kind of encapsulate their relationship, which is, you could say that it's the strongest relationship between any of the uh, siblings uh, in the Stark family. And also, what's kind of missed in the show that's in the book, and also. Uh, I'll mention that a little bit later. Um, you know, they say goodbye to each other, uh, and Arya names her uh, sword needle a poke at Sansa with uh, her little sewing needles. Right. Well, a poke at Sansa's sewing needles, and a poke at, you know, you get a nice little uh, hint of yeah. where Arya is going with this and how she is. Uh, you know, she's a tomboy. She's yep. not made the made the same and, way. Uh, not meant for the same destinies. And the fact that John knew that, it's really tough to build character development in one scene. But I think this really did it for between John and Arya. You know, they're they're both kind they're both kind of outsiders. She's a tomboy, and he's a bastard who's barely even related to any of them. Well, <laughs> that's still they their know cousin. Of. Their first cousin. Yeah, as we found oh, you out. Mean as as we'll, Find they, out they, they think they're uh, half siblings, but they're actually full for first cousins. More distant, but oh yeah. Anyway, the, the scene really works, and uh, it, it kind of had to. I mean, the payoff's not really going to happen until like way at the end of the series where they meet again. But um, just kind of just knowing like all the different relationships, which you have to build in like two episodes. For the most part, besides besides Arya and Sansa, who stay together a mm-hmm. while longer yep. uh, until the end of this season, until yeah, until the end of season one. Right, right. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
and you also get to see uh, you also get some direwolf uh, built build up because you get to see how smart they are and also how quickly they mm. they grow up because they're yeah so fucking wolves <laughs> yeah they <laughs> not, not regular at dogs. this point they have full grown dogs uh, the direwolves uh, which they're only supposed to be like maybe a month and a half old if that like about a month old. And they're the size of regular, large-ish dogs. And she can almost tell it what to do. Uh, and then John goes to see Bran, who's still in a coma, where Cat's oh. uh, uh, sitting there. And th- again, th- this is pretty much you're setting up all the relationships that John has with his, you know, his family in these few scenes. And this one is with Catelyn, uh, and really emphasizes how much she fucking hates him. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's a real just projection of her anger towards Ned, what she thinks he did. Uh, because I mean, John's a good guy; he's definitely not done anything to deserve, you know, this kind of hatred. And she, she even admits it to herself, like in like two more seasons. So I, mean, you know, of course, the reason why she hates him is because she thinks that uh, you know he's the bastard of her husband. I uh, thinks that he cheated on her, like you know, during the war, like. And, you know, they only had Catelyn and Ned at that point. They spent one night together. She instantly got pregnant that night and he left for war the next day. She was only, so she was married oh, wow. for, him for one day and she didn't see him until he came back with John as a baby. So she would assume that he was Years later. with whoever that bastard's mother was with longer than her. Yeah. Nice. I didn't realize it, that. Does, they don't. They might talk about it in those uh, those animated things, like in the DVD extras. They might have mentioned that, but in the show, that they, mm. they don't. Yeah, you definitely don't pick up on that in the show. And that presents mm-hmm. her in a much different light. I mean, it's brutal having your uh, husband come back with a with a bastard, but uh, yeah, you don't have you don't have to hate the baby. But uh, <laughs> she does, and she, she still she still hates him. Uh, does not oh, want yeah. him in the room. With Bran, but you know she, she you know lets him yeah. you know say his goodbyes. Um, yeah, now go. You've said it. <laughs> yeah, two seconds after he's and, in there, uh, Ned comes in, and you know then John pieces out, and then the last big scene, John uh, and his family is with Rob, um, and I. This one doesn't hit as well as the other two. They're very formal with each other at the beginning. And, but, you know, then they hug it out at the end after, you know, they basically talk about John joining the Night's Watch. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of tacked that, on. That's the one scene that doesn't really work. Uh, it's, I would say it's the scene that has to work the least. Uh, but in the book, it's, you know, it, it's stated that John and Rob were best friends when they were growing up. You know, they're about the same age. That's also a very strong relationship. Um, and before we move on, one other thing with Catelyn and why she hates John so much. It, it again, this is a total book thing. Uh, in the book, the only kid that Catelyn has that doesn't have red hair and doesn't look like uh, a Tully, which you know, which is her family. Is Arya in the book? Rob, Bran, Rickon, and you know uh, Sansa all have red hair and uh, look like they're uh, they're Tullys. <clears throat> they don't look like Northerners as much. So that's another uh, that's another thing. John does really? look a lot like a Stark, a lot like a Northerner. So it's only him and hmm. Arya that have brown hair and have kind of the look. Oh, well, that played... That makes it yeah. way more so, obvious in the book, then. <laughs> they may, they definitely did did that right in the in the show. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of a... In uh, Cat's inner monologue, troubles her that uh, Rob doesn't look like a northerner, but John does. And she's always, like, kind of always, like, one of the... One of the other reasons why she hates John too is 
you know, there's always the chance of what if, you know, somehow he was legitimized and, you know, tried to kind of take the uh, lordship from Rob, you know, for some reason, somehow, you know, he, he would never, he would never do that. Mm. But, you know, that's kind of, kind of a nagging thing for her that, you know, she is, you know, he is Ned Stark's son, as far as she knows, and he's around the same age as Rob. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a recurring theme for all royalty. Who's about to take my stuff? So, so that's about it until uh, everyone hits the road. John and Ned have uh, this scene together as they're uh, about to split off. Um, John wants to know about his mom, which Ned's never talked about. And uh, Ned actually gets a little emotional mm. and says that they'll talk about it, his mom the next time they see each other. Spoiler alert, they never do. Yeah. Spoiler alerts are kind of a par for the course here. <laughs> I mean, we kind of already dropped one of the largest spoilers that spans the entire kind of, series. But, I mean, we could, again, we could talk about this more later, but it didn't really matter so much... I guess it kind of did in terms of him and Danny's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did, yeah. Yeah, because they turned one, what was one of the best sex scenes <laughs> into one of the most disgusting sex scenes. But in hindsight, after the fact. So, ha ha ha. Wait, what do you think of that? <laughs> Your dick still hard? <laughs> I think it was during, like they, like Sam was figuring it out during the sex scene with uh, John and Danny. John didn't find out. What? <laughs> no, oh, rewatch that episode. Anyway, Thanks. it's not re- it's not really important for this episode, I, I suppose. No, yeah, everybody's yeah. just, we're building character here, and we're on the road, and we're moving out, and we're getting to the, I think we forgot about the, doesn't somebody die? Yeah, that dire wolf. That's the way we get our first wolf episode. kill. We're, like, nowhere close to that yet. Yeah. What? So. Sure. Then we kind of get, they're on the road, you know, the king, and all, you know, his caravan. Pretty much the first scene is uh, Robert and Ned kind of just hanging out. Like, they, they have, like, a table, chairs, and snacks. You know, like, a whole nice spread laid out on the countryside. Yeah. And Robert's like, man, this this place is yeah, fucking it's fantastic. kick-ass. It's... <laughs> Let's just fucking leave all these assholes. <laughs> yeah. Just go around killing Rabu. <laughs> killing whoever he wants. Yeah, the only thing he wants to do is cut the cake. In more ways than one. So, <laughs> where's Messi? Yeah, this is a good scene, kind of. Again, like <laughs> this is like the <laughs> ultimate <laughs> character relationship <laughs> development episode. This also kind of shows like uh, Robert and Ned, kind of you know, best friends, and they kind of pick up right where they left off, friendship wise. You know, even though they haven't seen each other in uh-huh. like I think almost two decades, like fifteen years or something. And, uh, uh, I thought it was like not, or how long they've been how together. How long they've been separated. They've I think each like other? 15 years or something like that. I thought it was a decade. No, because I think the last time I saw each other was at the Greyjoy Rebellion. And that, that, and that's and when they took okay. Theon when he was like eight years old. So I think it's probably been like 10, 15 years since they've seen each other. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. So... They uh, first they start talking about um, you know when they were in the war together and um, and all I guess also outside the world war and uh, all the different girlfriends they had and uh, Robert mentions uh, Wyla uh, Ned's uh, common girlfriend uh, that Ned probably made up uh, but you don't but you don't know that yet in the show yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that's probably why Ned was just like, fair, just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, her name was Wyla. Just drop it. Hmm. And then um, then the conversation kind of takes a turn 
to uh, Robert showing Ned uh, a letter that Daenerys Targaryen married Cal uh, Drogo. And Ned is like, yeah, whatever, man. We'll get the shit. <laughs> They're in Essos. And it's like, oh, I want to kill her so bad. It's like, just, she's a kid. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he is obsessed. Kind of uh, worried that once D- Danny has a kid with Cal Drogo, you know, they'll come uh, with a whole bunch of Dothraki and conquer the Seven Kingdoms. And Ned says there's no way that they'll cross. Uh, they've never crossed sea before. It's against their religion to cross the sea. You know, they're not going to do it. It's against their religion? Kind of. It's, I don't know if it's so much, maybe not so much against I don't remember the, him mentioning that, mentioning that. So they really. He mentions they don't have any ships. They, they mention, so, <laughs> yeah, this is more so in the book. Uh, hmm. They, it's, I guess a major faux pas. It, it's like, um, what's the word? It's bad luck. It's a bad omen. They, I know they call super, it poison superstition. Water. So it's a hmm. kind of a Dothraki superstition. That uh, oh, okay. they don't cross water that their horses can't drink, and that's why they never they don't have ships. They've never you know crossed any large body of water. They just stuck to where they are. So it's kind of a phobia of theirs, superstition, whatever. So there's a pretty good reason why they never cross, and it's because of their superstitions. And then Robert kind of gives this ominous statement that um, that the war that a war is going to be coming and he doesn't know who will be fighting but there will be a war which is kind of like basically saying winter is coming it's like yeah, no shit <laughs> one day there'll be a mm-hmm. war we didn't there's not going to be peace yeah. forever <laughs> this is mostly just uh, the show building itself yeah. up and also Robert being uh, you know bored yeah he Definitely would like a war. Yeah. He, he likes fucking, and he likes killing. Yep. That's what he do. Yep. But he's all out of killing. Yeah, that's all he does. And drinking. Mm-hmm. But that's just a stave off the boredom. Yeah. So then, um, it doesn't say this in the show anywhere, but uh, they're crook cross into the Riverlands uh, and that's where they're in that they're around that inn where um, where you see Santa walking her dog lady or her wolf lady and she sees uh, all these southern girls chatting away and then she comes like face to face with Ill and Payne's like ah shit <laughs> he just sort of shows up just, out of nowhere uh, just, in the middle of the walkway, yeah. and he's just right. His eyes just piercing straight into her. It's like, uh, yeah. think Mike and yeah, <laughs> another bald guy, another Stark face. Sorry for the pun there. He is not a Stark. He is not a Stark. He's actually with uh, the Westermen. Yeah, he's just a just an intimidating. Uh, he's just Mister Intimidation. Yeah. That's kind of his job. Kind of. It's King's Justice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she starts to posit- apologize to him. Uh, he doesn't say shit, and then the hound comes up from behind her and he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like the two scariest dudes in the whole camp. <laughs> it's like so, uh, and you see the hound with uh, a brand new comb over over his, his fucked up face. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Like in the first episode, you just showed like the whole burn mark like you know like his hair was parted and you can see like the whole thing now he's just like just takes it and puts it over his face and uh covers most of his scarring uh yeah he's got horrific burns all over the side of his face just uh there's a tale of brotherly love that we'll get into later on yeah it's probably like another episode probably next episode or the episode after it's the next episode yeah. yeah it's either three or four so he uh, exposits that uh, who this guy in front of Santa is and why he's not saying anything. 
Uh, he's the uh, King's Justice. Pretty good. Hasn't said much these last 20 years or so. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, Joffrey <laughs> pops in, too, in this conversation. Uh, oh, yes. So, uh, so, yeah. Joffrey really comes into his own in this episode. Oh, yeah. In two scenes, you immediately hate this kid. Yeah. So, um, the bald guy's name, the first scary guy, is called uh, Sir Ellen Payne. Uh, who got his tongue ripped out and is now the King's Justice or the Royal Executioner. And yeah. I love the story behind him getting his tongue ripped out. That doesn't get spelled out in, in the show, but that's one of the few backstories I actually remember. Mm-hmm. Where the, uh, <laughs> he, all he did was say that his, his lord was more powerful than the king himself. Yeah. Which was somewhat true, because his lord was Tywin Lannister and He's the richest bastard in the entire kingdom. He was the hand of the king at the time. Oh, well, there you go. And yeah, he was basic. King didn't like that too much. Yeah. So, he fixed it. He fixed that problem. Mm-hmm. There's one less person who's going to start talking about me. Wasn't even talking about him. Yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the king was pretty paranoid and crazy at that point. And uh, that was one of the things he worried about the most is Tyron Lannister and people talking about how he was ruling the kingdom and not him. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Good bad backstory. And then the next scene is Sansa and Joffrey kind of walking together along the river, drinking a skin of wine. And this is another part mm-hmm. that uh, is in the books and it's I thought it was really good uh, world buildings in general where Arya, she originally went out to the river to look for rubies and uh, where those rubies came from, mm. where, it's, where they were at, uh, it's called the uh, Trident. It's this big river. And that was one of the f- where one of the final battles uh, between uh, Robert's Rebellion and the Royal Army fought. And... Um, and in that battle, uh, somehow, miraculously, Robert and uh, Prince Rhaegar fought each other one-on-one on horseback in the river. It was supremely epic. And Rhaegar was wearing this uh, black armor with uh, rubies inside in the shape of a dragon. And Robert proceeded to crush the breastplate inside, killing him. And a whole bunch of the rubies popped out of the... Uh, the chest plate and, you know, fell into the river and up and it's mentioned like a few times. Like it's like kind of a thing in Westeros, uh, Rhaegar's rubies. And whenever people talk about the trident, uh, that kind of comes up uh, a few times, uh, people trying to find the rubies from Rhaegar's breastplate. Hmm. Didn't they mention that, during the battle, after his uh, breastplate was smashed, soldiers on both sides stopped fighting and immediately started looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> People were really strapped for cash back then. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Like, oh shit, the rubies! Yeah. Ooh, hey. Robert says, no, those are my I'm rubies sworn. now! I've sworn to defend you. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> All right, everyone, find the shiny. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Just, anyway, back to Joffrey being a total dick. Yeah. So he, he's uh, getting Sansa pretty drunk. He's like, come on, drink more. It's like, maybe I shouldn't. Come on. You'd be cooler if you did. Yeah. Right. So she starts drinking a little bit more. And then they've run into Arya. That must be more in the book. That's not really indicated in the show. Um, no, it's in the show. Like, she she does a little, oh, my dad only allows me one cup of wine at feasts. And then Joffrey's like, my princess can drink as much as she wants. Just a slightly different tone, I guess. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not as overt. No, he, as, he, he's, come on, yeah, do it. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's actually pretty smooth, <laughs> uh, with it. Uh, that is the end of his smooth. Yeah, he really, suave really shows his uh, true colors here. 
So they stumble onto Arya and uh, Micah, not McKin, Micah, uh, mm-hmm. do, doing right. a play sword fight with sticks. And uh, Joffrey uh, sees a good chance to uh, be a total dick. Because <laughs> Micah is just some uh, son of a butcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes out his very real sword and says, well, let, let's uh, let's us spar. It's like, uh, <laughs> I only have a stick. So like, it's not a real sword. Yeah, well, you're not a real knight. And then starts cutting on his face with his sword. <laughs> Just digging, digs into yeah. it. Yeah. It's really gross. And then Arya uh, is tired, <laughs> is, is, can't take it anymore. So she takes one of the sticks and starts beating Joffrey with it. <laughs> then Joffrey starts swinging out his sword. Right. <laughs> Thr- threatens to, threatens to yeah, kill he just Arya. Takes, he takes real wax yeah. out of her. He could have straight up killed her. He, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care. Just immediately overreacts. Yeah. Then uh, Arya's direwolf nightmare just comes out of nowhere and tears mm-hmm. into his wrist. And like you know, then he uh, he loses the sword and uh, is busy screaming in pain while the direwolf is <laughs> tearing at his wrist. Right. Uh, Arya calls him back. Uh, Sansa is totally freaking out, <laughs> just saying that they're both ruining everything. You know, perfect little moment with her prince. <laughs> I know, right. And. Uh, then Arya, and then Arya dirties. Yeah, him. <laughs> she takes his sword, holds it to him, and then he just like totally bitches out, like no, please, no. Yeah, and, and then she tosses the sword into the river and runs off with Nymeria. Great hook, right into the middle. Yep. Yes. Good luck getting that back. Good throw. So, so Arya and Nymeria run away. Uh, Micah does too. And uh, Sansa and Joffrey go back. Well, Sansa goes to get help for Joffrey. Uh, mm. Then when kind of the whole camp finds out about everything, um, everyone goes searching for Arya. And the uh, and Arya is about to get uh, found out by uh, Lannister guards. And so she basically throws rock at, rocks at Nymeria until she runs away. So, um, yeah, so she gets... Uh, Picked up by the Lannisters, hours have passed, and everyone's kind of in the inn. And Roberts, Cersei, uh, Joffrey's there. Pretty, pretty much everyone's there. And um, Ned comes in, pissed off that Robert didn't bring Arya to him, like at first. Instead, he brought him before Robert to answer what happened uh, with Joffrey and them. And uh, Joffrey lies his ass off, or... Cersei lies her his her ass off uh, on behalf of Joffrey, twisting the story around that Joffrey was just walking around, and then Micah and Arya just started beating the shit out of him, <laughs> and then right. the wolf just came in and ravaged him. Yep, and then Arya's like, "It's like no, she didn't. She just bit him a little." <laughs> <laughs> Almost ripped his arm yeah. off. <laughs> So, and Robert had the ultimate uh, disappointed father face. <laughs> it's like, you let oh, that little yeah, uh, right. girl disarm you. Oh, it's fantastic. And Joffrey just like, mm. <laughs> it's like, mm, sure. Like, even the best version of his story just doesn't have him coming out <laughs> looking too good, machismo wise. Yeah. Kind of loses a little bit of cred. Yeah. So they bring Sansa in to kind of clear things up, and she does the whole I don't remember dealy, because uh, Arya is definitely telling the truth, um, but she doesn't want to rat on uh, Joffrey, who she's, you know, intended to be married to, so. Yep, she's a little bit torn. And then we get to see, uh, you know, Rob deals with it as you would normally want to deal with it. Children fight, it's over. Yep. Yeah, that, that part's fine. But then we get to see some Cersei, actually. Yeah, then Cersei's like, well, what about the direwolf? Like, 
It's like, all right, well, what about the dire wolf? Well, we couldn't find it. Well, fuck it then. <laughs> and then Cersei yeah, right. pulls the ultimate bitch move. It's like, well, just kill the other dire wolf <laughs> for no reason. This would be, this would be Sansa's dire wolf, aptly named Lady. <laughs> the good one. The good one that didn't do anything and wasn't even there. Yeah. And uh, this is like a really great scene for everyone involved, uh, especially uh, Sophie Turner, uh, just how torn she is, and then learning that her, her basically her dog has to be murdered for no reason. And she's just like losing it. Lena Hetty as Cersei being a total bitch. Uh, Jack Gleason as uh, Joffrey having this fucking jerk off smurf, uh, smurf, <laughs> smirk. Uh, when he hears that lady's gonna be killed, he's like, why the fuck would you want that? Just be- outside of you being an asshole. Uh, Robert just like, eh, whatever. And, and Ned's like, it's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, he, he, Ned's like pretty ticked off about it, but he knows, like, he can't push this all too much farther. So, he decides he's going to be the one to kill her, uh, besides the, uh, Executioner, because mm-hmm. uh, you know he uh, makes sure to make it painless as possible, and you know I guess for the sake of the dire wolf. Considering the situation, it's a lot more dramatic than it has to be, but uh, it really is. It's mostly about the the rift between the Lannisters and the Starks. Yeah, and this is the begin, really the beginning of it, and kind of showing how complicit Robert is with a lot of this shit. Right, yeah. Because he, he doesn't feel like he can push things too far with Cersei because uh, learn later on that he is indebted like, like half a billion gold pieces to her dad. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, it ends with Ned killing a lady and then it pans to Winterfell, where Bran finally wakes up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the only other part of the episode we kind of missed on was Jon Snow and Tyrion. Where Tyrion decides to uh, go with Jon Snow to the Wall to check it out before he goes back to King's Landing. And they talk about how a the Night's Watch kind of sucks because. It's mostly just um, a punishment now for people who decide to go to the wall instead of whatever other kind of punishment they were going to have. You know, right, right. rapists, instead of getting their dong cut off, could go to the wall. So some of them decide to go to the wall. According to Tyrion, most choose the yes. knife. Which kind of <laughs> exemplifies how shitty the wall must be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, murderers, instead of being executed, they go to the wall. So a lot of not great people go to the wall. And they're with a whole bunch of recruits uh, to the Night's Watch. And, yeah, they're all criminals um, besides himself uh, and his Uncle Benjamin, who's also hanging out. And so John kind of sees, like, eh, yeah, I guess it does kind of suck, but I already said I'd do it, and... I don't think I'm welcome back at Winterfell where uh, my debt, where Catelyn is kind of running things. Yeah, there's nothing there for you. Yeah. And that's, that, those are some of the other people that uh, end up at the wall, too. Yeah. And yeah, he, I guess John didn't have too much of a choice. Uh, I guess if he didn't decide outright to leave, uh, maybe he could have maybe stayed at Winterfell. It probably would have sucked. But, uh, or maybe on King's Landing, maybe not. His options were probably pretty limited. And I guess he figured going to the Wall would be the best thing for him. And uh, he thought, you know, there's be a lot of honor to be gained at the Wall. And he was kind of now seeing, like, eh, things aren't quite as uh, nice as uh, you were led to believe. And then you get kind of some backstory with uh, Tyrion, you know, his relationship with his brother and sister and kind of what he does to try to make himself useful, which 
as a dwarf, uh, he can't really become a great warrior, so instead he studies a lot, tries to become knowledgeable and worldly by reading a whole bunch of books and such, making that kind of his skill and contribution to his family. Mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. Indeed. And also, you get a little bit of backstory. Jamie killed the last king before Robert, which is kind of weird because then Jamie's sister Cersei married the next king. Mm. 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 Something going on here? Nope, nothing to see here. So that's the episode. Um, a lot of relationship building in this episode, uh, especially for Jon Snow. Basically, he goes from one character to the next, uh, showing what their relationship is, good or bad. And uh, Danny kind of learning the ropes. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really ex- exemplified how much John is a, an integral character. Yeah, you know, they're showing John meeting everybody, but it's almost like everybody else is the more important character. Yeah, in every in every one of his interactions. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I guess kind of one of the cooler parts of the show, where you have the POV characters are the main characters, and. Those characters are Ned, Kat, John, Arya, Sansa. That's point of view for all of you uh, non-porn watchers out there. <laughs> so, in the books, you actually don't see a whole lot of Rob, uh, and you see a lot more of John because he is a POV. You, you know that they're important being POV, but in the show, it's a lot more spread around, <laughs> and Rob Stark becomes like a main character, and, and yeah, Jon Snow doesn't seem like as big of a character and it doesn't seem like what he's doing is all that important at least not right now uh the only thing you can think of that would be important is the uh the ice zombies that are on the other side of the wall but besides like that that first scene in the first episode uh it seems like the uh the big happenings going on are between the lannisters the baratheons and the starks which is going to kind of come to a head in uh, king's landing once they finally get there and we still didn't talk about the assassin. All right, that's another thing we missed. Um, yeah, at, at, we should just ju- we should just jump around the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a mouse. Yeah. So there's an assassin that comes in, comes in uh, to Brand's room to kill him. Uh, Catelyn is still there. The assassin did not expect her to be there. You're not supposed to be here. No one's supposed to be. Nobody's supposed to be here. Yeah, it's a mouse. So he pulls out this fucking scrub. Yeah, pulls out this knife and tries to kill her. Uh, she grabs the knife, gets her fingers all cut the shit. Uh, oh man, it's yeah. She just grabs that thing. She's a boss. Totally. Uh, and then Summer comes in, Brand's direwolf, and just kills the shit out of that guy. Just rips his throat out. Oh yeah, you get some. You get some throat ripage. Yeah. So in uh, the th- ugh, the part that I. That always disturbs me is uh, the direwolf then jumps up on the bed yeah, like, no. and then puts his bloody ass mouth all over that beautiful pelt. <laughs> there's this beautiful, there's this beautiful pelt all over the, all, and and this dirtied, bloodied wolf is rubbing his face all up in it. You know what? As he puts his head down, like mm, I didn't just shit in your shoes. I think he's. Uh, yeah, I think did. he earned it. <laughs> Saving two people's lives. Yeah, they did. Uh, and, and now the now the wolf pelt is ruined. Yeah. We will get another wolf pelt, huh? What is Brand's dire Summer. wolf name? Ah, yes, Summer. <laughs> so I guess it could be worse. Could be Rickens. Yeah, Shaggy Dog. <laughs> so, so in the book, uh, Catelyn was kind of wary of the dire wolves because uh, they were wolf, you know, because they were dire wolves. And uh, wasn't a huge fan of them up until that moment where Summer just uh, saved her and Bran's life. And then she loves all the dire wolves. And she thinks of them as, you know, her children's protectors from the old gods. And uh, Mm -hmm. 
is really big about them being around her kids all the time. Doesn't really show up in the show, but in the book, like she does this huge 180 uh, in terms of the dire wolves, uh, mm. you know, after that happens. Now, they're going to go into this a little bit in the show, but they kind of like totally drop off uh, this story, you know, this kind of story thread of who sent that assassin. The entire show, you never find out. Oh, yeah, it's true. Well, you kind of know. Not really. Like, so. Wasn't it? Hang on. I'm trying to think here. Oh, yeah, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter, though, because it's. It sets off the. uh, It sets Catelyn off on her quest. Mm -hmm. She's immediately leaves to go and chase Ned down, which is a little bit weird that she went to do it personally. Oh well, they actually they they yeah. explained all that. Yeah, they explained that because she didn't trust a raven or a messenger with such an important right. piece of information. Like you know, this is right. Had to be yeah. her. This is there like, always has to be a Stark in Winterfell, so Rob can't go. Yeah, so she decides to go. Um, He's got to believe the message. Yeah. So in the book. They go into a bit more detail uh, about who, you know, who sent that assassin. Uh, it's actually from uh, from Jamie's perspective. He, he was thinking about who could have done it, and he was probably right. Like, probably never know. Probably never know. Like, even in the books, but he thought that it was Joffrey that sent the assassin. That's crazy. Because there's another little bit where. Um, while Bran was in a coma, when Robert was drunk uh, and not around Ned, he said it would be merciful to just kill Bran instead of just letting him waste away in a coma, like when he was really oh. drunk. And uh, Joffrey was there to hear that. And the the dagger that was used, which was made of Valyrian steel and dragon bone, mm-hmm. uh, was. Right actually uh, his father's uh, dagger. It was like gifted to him by somebody. And, you know, and it's, you know, this flashy dagger. So uh, Jamie thought that, A, uh, Joffrey took it at some point in time because it looked cool and it was, you know, really rare. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, as a kid, wouldn't think anything of just, you know, how it could give him away if, uh, if the assassin had, you know, that particular uh, weapon as opposed to just plain old knife. And uh, he, you know, he, he would kind of do it as sort of a way to sort of make his dad proud, kind of like that, you know, his dad mentioned it'd be better for him to just die. And also Joffrey's kind of a psycho, so it would be within character for him to do that. So that's kind of the best guess of who did it, but, uh, huh. Wow. Of, they really don't touch on any of that. Yeah. And they completely spiral it in a completely different direction. Yeah. That, that, uh, that spiraling, but with Littlefinger and, uh, Tyrion of who owned the knife, mm-hmm. that, that's also in there, but that's just Littlefinger just being Littlefinger. Uh, the actual facts of it come later on. In Jamie's point of view, I think like in the, I don't know, like the third or the fourth book. Wow, and they never clear that up in the show. Never, yeah. It might not even never be cleared up in the in the book. That might be as much as you get because if if that's it was a, Joffrey, that's then, a huge then you'll never know plot point. <laughs> because this entire assassination attempt kick things off. It is, I mean, it kicks off Catelyn going to find Ned, Catelyn kidnapping Tyrion. And then starting the war. Yep. And they don't clear up this little point right here. Wow. They spiraled it so perfectly and took us all along. I didn't even realize until now how much of a gaping <laughs> plot point yeah. that is. Yeah. Giant gaping hole. It's a mercy. I guess that was the mercy. Yeah. Nah, you don't need to know who I am. <laughs> okay. Why didn't the assassin just keep the blade and use a different blade? <laughs> Stop overthinking it. Okay. Uh, maybe he told him to use that blade. 
I'll, I'll know if you don't. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would have sold that blade and paid somebody else to do it. Could probably uh, kept about half of it. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, Well, that's the King's Road. Yep, so, uh, yeah. Tune in next month for Episode 3. Well, Episode 3 will come the same point in time in Episode 2 as far as when we release these. Alright, whatever. See ya in three minutes if you feel like watching and listening to another episode. So, Are you stopping recording? <laughs> uh, Are we still going? Still going. Is that it? All right. Uh, I mean, I'm still I'm still recording. But. All right. Well, <laughs> you want to insult the uh, listeners anymore? Insult the listeners? They're not people. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the nice little Easter egg at the end there. I don't even remember why I said that. Yeah, whatever. I mean, if you're so starved for entertainment, you gotta listen to two assholes jabber on about Game of Thrones. What the fuck are you doing with your life? Yep. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Why don't you go buy a horse, live on a mountain, stop bothering everybody. Perfect. All right, everybody. Until next time. Oh, and uh, if you wish to mail in, um, any questions or comments, hope something sticks at gmail.com is where you can contact us. See you all later. <laughs>